This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen along with you. Well, diabetes numbers have grown in this country where almost 30 million patients now have the disease. And treatment for this debilitating disease is best when it addresses the whole patient and not just their disease. Here with more on this approach is Dr. Barbara Feuerstein. She's Associate Professor of Medicine specializing in endocrinology, diabetes, and metabolism at Upstate Shazen Center and the Veterans Administration Hospital here in Syracuse. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you so much for coming nice in. Nice to be here, Linda. So diabetes is growing in this country, and it seems like it's almost at epidemic proportions. Help us understand why that is. People who have type 2 diabetes uh, are 90% of the population. Type 1 people, type 1 uh, diabetes is 10%. You're talking about uh, the people who have diabetes who have in diabetes. this country. So right. what does that mean? So of the people who have type 2, 80% are also obese. So that is related to the obesity epidemic in America. Type 1 is also on the rise, but for other reasons, type 1 patients are not related to obesity. Let's explain just for the, the listeners quickly <clears throat> the difference. Type 1, you're fully and totally insulin dependent. Exactly. And often does it, it begin in childhood? So type 1 is an autoimmune process, and the antibodies that develop in the person actually attack the pancreas so that it doesn't work anymore. So if a person does not take insulin, they would die. Somebody with type 2, their insulin often is at a high level. Their pancreas is trying to keep up with the extra weight. They are insulin resistant. The insulin is not getting into the cells properly. So they often can take oral agents for a long time. They can change their lifestyle. And sometimes the type 2 diabetes can go away. But often people who have type 2, after years of it, the insulin resistance is so drastic that they do need to take extra insulin. And we can see now there are all sorts of new insulins on the market that are super concentrated. Usually we use U100 insulin, which is 100 units per ml. Now we're using U500 insulin. Wow. So that's to overcome the insulin resistance that we're seeing so much now. But the fact is, the fact that it's growing, you're suggesting for the majority of people in this country with diabetes, the majority, it's because of the type 2, and a large number of those is because of the growing obesity yes. epidemic. Related to lifestyle. Even children. Isn't yes. it also growing children. It's in children? an epidemic in children related to obesity increase. So treating diabetes effectively, you I know you, you're a strong advocate and from your experience, one has to really treat the whole patient. It I isn't agree. just a matter of treating the disease entity. So what does that mean though to treat the whole patient in your mind? I mean, what do, you, what do, what do we mean when we say that? So often patients come to us thinking we're going to cure them. It's in our hands that we can give them a pill and take care of it. But it's much more than just taking a pill. The, a big part of all of this is their lifestyle. And unless people make changes in their lifestyle, the pills cannot take care of the disease process. So a lot of it is really taking responsibility for your life, for your disease, and making changes that, that are necessary. Exactly. Exactly. The pills can only do so much. So I know that it's often talked about this whole notion of an integrative approach 
to treating diabetes. Explain that. So integrative medicine has been around for a long time. People used to call it alternative medicine, which meant what can we do instead of traditional medicine? That's the old days, alternative medicine. Then we got complementary medicine, which was saying how can we complement conventional medicine with other modalities. So now integrative medicine is trying to do all of it, trying to say what can we do to complement and maybe things that are outside of the usual scope of conventional medicine and trying to take all kinds of practitioners to help the person. So in other words, an integrative approach will address lifestyle, but also things like stress reduction, how you manage food, things like exercise, and even things like spirituality. Even spirituality, that's the big one. Yeah. So integrative approaches will traditionally take, you know, maybe uh, ask somebody to see an acupuncturist if they're having pain or for stress reduction, maybe to go to a yoga class to help with exercise, meditation. Um, we have all sorts of um, apps for meditation now, which I can talk about later. Mm -hmm. um, try, you know, Chinese medicine, traditional herbs, Tai Chi, anything that will help the person that maybe in conventional medicine was not thought about before. So we're looking um, just for new ideas because it's so hard to help the person just with the approaches that we've been using. Often it's not successful. So it's wide and broad and really wide-ranging and also all-inclusive in terms of really looking at other tried-and-true methodologies outside of basically what was considered conventional treatment. Right. So the JASM, we've always used the team approach, which you could say is an integrative approach because we've always used diabetes educators, dietitians, we have a physical therapist, the eye doctors, the, we have a social worker, we have psychologists. So that is pretty much an integrative approach to begin with. That's the team approach. But, but that, excuse me for interrupting, but that's, that's, still, that's still more on the medicine side, meaning more of the conventional approaches. But you've mentioned already things that are really kind of outside of that. Exactly. So the things that we're trying to add to all of that are even essential oils. Um, uh, there's different... Um, Is massage therapy also something that might be considered? Massage therapy would also be considered. Uh, paying more attention to spirituality, as you said, how whatever that spirituality would be for an individual person. Um, even Ayurvedic herbs and Ayurvedic approaches, there are practitioners who do just that. And is that something as part of what, I mean, is that something that is standardly offered within the Joslyn program to Not someone? standard. So that's what we're trying to change now. So in September, we uh, had our first integrative medicine approach for people with type 2. And then in January, we had our second group for people with type 1. And the people who came were really excited about it. And I think it helped them a lot. And then in September, we're having a meeting for integrative approaches to diabetes at Community General. And that will be advertised, so I hope that people make it there. And the idea is that they come to get an orientation to what's offered, and then is there an ongoing interaction with them, a program that they get involved yes, in? Yes, and we also will hook them up to all the resources in our community, and there are a lot. So we have a list of different practitioners, including the massage therapists, mindfulness-based stress reduction practitioners, Ayurvedic people, um, 
all sorts of approaches that normally we hadn't been talking about, but I think will be increasingly popular for increasingly one. popular and helpful yes. if you're just joining us you're listening to upstate's health link on air i'm linda cohen along with endocrinologist dr barbara forestein and we're talking about an integrative approach to diabetes and wellness so patient education clearly is the key here and a sense of responsibility taking responsibility for their lives but what do you think the in, in your experience has, is the most profound lifestyle change that someone with type, especially type 2 diabetes, but any type of diabetes, what's the most profound lifestyle change someone can make or does make? In my opinion, diet. And I don't want to call it diet because it's not about going on a diet. It's about changing your attitude to food. And we have glucose sensors now where people can wear a sensor and it gives us, when they download it in, in the office, we can see a 24-7 printout of all their sugars, all their glucose levels for the whole week, two weeks. In the past, all we have were glucose meters. And the meter would show each time the person checked their blood sugar what it was. So maybe someone texts twice a day, maybe 10 times a day. But we never know how, knew how to connect the dots. Now with the sensors that people are wearing, we see how to connect the dots, and we're seeing things we never knew were happening So what before. have you learned? So what I've learned is when I see what happens after people eat food that they think is not making their blood sugar go as high now we see it is. how high it's really going. And I've had many patients who will sometimes be on a more restricted diet with carbohydrate intake, mostly grains. And when they have the download for that, their blood sugars are extremely erratic. They'll have high blood sugars almost all the time after they eat. But when they are eating much more carefully, not eating as much grain, especially gluten, their blood sugars are much more stable. So what it's done, what you're saying is obviously changing diet is crucial in maintaining their blood sugar at the right level. But in addition, some of the technology now that's available yes. is also informing you. The new technology is amazing, and it's opened our eyes to what's going on much more than we ever knew in the past. Is there a real effort to help individuals, not only in terms of, you know, the kinds of foods to eat, but also this, as you said, the approach to food, this whole notion of mindful eating. Mindful eating is where it's at, because you probably remember The Biggest Loser, that whole big article that came out maybe in May, and there was an article that was written after it saying that, as we know, diets don't usually work, right? That's why we have this problem here. There's this up and down constantly. People who diet exactly. gain, lose, gain, lose. So the people with the biggest loser years later, a lot of them have gained their weight back. And a lot of that is metabolic changes, which makes it really hard to keep the weight off. But the idea is that if they have mindful approach to food, that somehow changes First of all, their relationship to eating, but also how does it change what their actual intake is or what they may choose to eat? It has been something that really has been shown to help. And that's where I'm going to be taking my practice more in trying to help people to change their approach mentally to what they're eating so that they're actually 
thinking about what they're eating, paying attention to it. And a big thing is to only eat, not to be doing five million other things, which is so difficult. Especially in this world. <laughs> and I just saw a patient last week at the VA who was so upset because she can't lose weight. She came to me trying to think of something that would help her. She feels like she's not eating too much. She feels like she's exercising and the weight won't come off. And in her mind, she was doing everything perfectly. But then I finally found one thing because I just read this article about the mindful eating. And I said, well, where are you eating your meals? Always at her desk. Every meal is at her desk. While she's working. While she's working. So there's no consciousness. And she had the light bulb moment and her eyes opened. She said, maybe that's it. I'm actually eating more than I think because I'm not paying attention whenever I'm eating. So just to recap, mindful eating, just for people who may not know what that means, is that you really take the time, you focus on what you're eating, you you taste what you're eating, you slow down, and you make a conscious effort to think only about eating as opposed to that you have to do the laundry or you have to finish this task or you have to, or you're you're actually doing tasks at the same time. Exactly. To detach from the screens, not watch TV, not be on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever people are doing. And and very um, kind of unconsciously putting food in your mouth, not realizing even if you're full, you don't even have a sense of your own satiety at that point. Right. Very important. In the little bit of time we have left, what's the takeaway then in terms of the bottom line, if you were to say, you know, that you would want your patients to know at this point, people with diabetes, in terms of this whole integrative approach, what would your advice be? I think number one is that nobody wants diabetes. Everybody will get rid of it. It's a disease that there's no holiday from, and it's very hard because you can't take a break. If people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, they feel guilty about it. So I try to tell patients like that Nike ad, just do it. Because if you don't just do it, you feel guilty that you're not checking your blood sugars or taking your medicine or doing your exercise. So if people can actually get themselves to do what they're supposed to and what they've been prescribed, the stress level goes down and stress only makes the diabetes worse. So bottom line is, You have to take responsibility, you have to follow the prescriptions, you have to do what you need to do, and you basically have a lot now, a large, much larger range of of assistance out there with all the different integrative things available. Yes, we are here to help you at the Jocelyn, and we know where to refer you if we don't have the services that may help you. There's lots of people in the community that can help you. Thank you so much. My guest has been Dr. Barbara Feuerstein. She's Associate Professor of Medicine specializing in endocrinology, diabetes, and metabolism at Upstate's Joslin Center and the VA Hospital in Syracuse. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.